Well, we're turning in our Bibles as we come to God's Word to the book of Genesis again. God willing, this morning we'll finish uh, the first chapter. I did promise our pace would get a little bit quicker. We've covered so far uh, the first two verses, and we're going to quicken the pace a little bit. And we're going to cover the first chapter of Genesis this morning. So Genesis chapter 1, please. We're actually going to read the first three verses of chapter 2 as well. I know it's a long reading, uh, but I think it's important that we read all of these scriptures together and uh, that we seek to understand what's going on here in this chapter. Genesis chapter 1, we'll read from the verse 1 and we'll read through the whole first chapter. And this is the word of the Lord. We read, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's the first 24 hours that ever passed. Verse 1 through to verse 5, 24 hours, the first day. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day, 24 hours again. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit, whose seed in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Now I want you to see this pattern. Look at the start of verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. And then so it tells us what God said was to be created. At the end of verse 11, we're told it was so. And then we see at the end of verse 12, when it speaks of all these things, God saw it and it was good. This pattern is continuing over and over again. Verse 13, in the evening and the morning were the third day. Here's God speaking again. And God said, let there be, be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. It happened as God spoke. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. 
God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that have life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day, and all his work which he made. And God blessed the seventh day, and sanctified it, because, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this morning. In these verses, what we see before us is the creative power of God put on display. We see that God and God alone is creator of all things. There's nothing that can be created except God has created it. Man has never created anything. Man can move dirt around but um, can build a building and, and can take things from a mixed steel and rock but only the things that only from things that God has already created and only from materials that God has created can man make anything. And the centre theme of chapter 1 in the book of Genesis is God. It's almighty God whom we are introduced to as we push open the door of Scripture. The last time we visited Genesis, we considered how the Bible simply begins by declaring the Almighty God 
Elohim, El, God, Ohim, making it that plural, speaking of God's mightiness, speaking about how God is the almighty God of all creation. And we find that name throughout this chapter. Every time God's name is mentioned, it's Elohim, the almighty God. Remember Moses, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote these words in Genesis. He also wrote that one psalm. In Psalm 90 verse 2 he writes this, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Moses says, before this world was even thought of, before this world was even created, he was and is and forever will be the Almighty God. In Revelation 4 verse 8 we read that the hosts of heaven rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. This is Almighty God we're dealing with. And throughout all eternity he's been declared Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. This is the anthem of praise that will be sung out to God throughout eternity. And when we all get to heaven, we'll join the everlasting chorus as we sing with the angel, Almighty God, the thrice holy God. We skim across these verses, as we skim across these verses this morning, I want to note a number of truths that we can apply to our hearts from Genesis 1. I, I, as we come to God's word, we must make it practical. What does it mean to us tomorrow? As we go to work, as we go about our daily business. And I, I want to make this as practical as possible. I want to apply these verses to our lives as we see a number of things. The first thing I want you to see as we consider this our title, the creation of the world. The first thing I want you to see is this, the command of creation. The command of creation. Some people call the President of the United States of America uh, the most powerful leader in the world. But, but, but more than one former president would disagree with that statement. Ex-presidents have often confessed that their executive orders weren't always obeyed and there wasn't much that they could do about it. For example, during President Nixon's first term in office, he ordered the removal of some ugly temporary buildings in the mall in front of the White House. These were eyesores that had been there since World War I, the World War I era. But it took months before his order was obeyed. Nixon was heard to say that presidents may speak and sign official orders, but there's no guarantee that anything will happen. However, when God speaks... It happens. Psalm 33 verse 9 reads, For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. You see, after God had created the heavens and the earth, in verse 2, we see him create light by his command. Look at what it says in verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was. God who dwells in unapproachable light creates light. God who is light, 1 John 1, 5 tells us that, now commands light 
And so in our passage we see over and over again as we point it out as we go through, God says it, God commands it, and it is so. The verse happens immediately, this verse 3 happens immediately after God created the heavens, the earth. Right then, there was no gap. Right then, in this 24-hour period of time, from verse 1 to verse 5, God said, let there be light. And right throughout this chapter, God speaks all things into existence by his command. If you were to take a pencil and draw around every time you see the name God in chapter 1, in 31 verses, you will circle God's name 32 times. This is the most theocentric, this is the most God-centered chapter in the entire Bible. It's all about God. It's all about how creation obeys his voice. Didn't the Gettys write that song, Creation Sings the Father's Song? Call of creation obeys his voice. You see, everything begins with God. God is the great initiator of all things. We learn here the fundamental principle of theology that God is always previous, that God is always out ahead, that God is the great initiator. And what we see here is God spoke and God commanded. Elohim, almighty God, sovereign God spoke and it happened. Why? Because God is sovereign. You see, God's a speaking God, dear brother. So speaking God, dear sister, and it teaches us that he has a mind and he has affections and God has a will. God is not an it. God is a person in the sense of having all the distinctives of personality. And we are made in the image of God with a mind and with affections and with a will. And Almighty God, who spoke so long ago with sovereign authority and supreme power, still speaks and still commands in his written word today. And God has given you the responsibility to obey that written word. And every time you open your Bible... The sovereign, almighty, living God, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, is the same God who says to you, you shall have no other gods before me. You will not take my name in vain. You shall not make for yourself a graven image. And God, he speaks clearly when he commands, it's clear. And God, he always speaks without ambiguity. He speaks without stuttering. And he speaks with a command. I wonder, do you need reminded today, dear believer, that when you open up the word of God, you're listening to the very commands and words of God. You know, I think today the church has forgotten that. The same God who stood and spoke all things into existence. Is the same God who has revealed his word in these pages before us. And I tell you, if only we would read them as if that is true, it would change our lives. So many of us spend so little time in this book. A couple of verses a day. Yet these are the words of the one who spoke all things into existence. 
So many of us put so little effort into getting to know the words in this book. And it scares me how many of God's people no longer study it. God has given us his words, his commands, his teaching, right here in the pages of the Bible that is on your lap. The God who spoke all things has given us his precious word, and yet for many of us we're just content with a couple of words each day, a couple of verses, and that will do us. Not much thought. If you love the Saviour, you'll love the word. In Psalm 1 we read that the believer's delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, I love to hear God's word preached. I love to hear God's word taught. I love to read God's word in my own personal times. Do you have a devotional time? Young Christian today, do you read God's word each day? Do you have that time when you come each day and you allow the God who commanded all things into existence to speak and to penetrate through your heart and to show you the things of of him in scripture, to grow in your knowledge of Christ, to be drawn closer to him? Do you allow the God who commanded creation to command you in your day-to-day life because you love him? You see, this book is where you need to get your advice in life. It's where you need to get your counsel. Can I ask you, dear believer, do you delight in obeying God's command? Do you treasure his word above all else? Archibald Naismith, for over 40 years, was a Christian teacher in India. And he tells of when his family returned to Great Britain, one of his sons, who at the time was about six or seven years old, attended school in that country for the first time in the United Kingdom. And one day the boy came home and reported that he had to write a short essay which was to be entitled, My Greatest Treasure. His parents wondered what of his treasured possessions he would choose to write about. And when the boy finally showed his parents his completed composition, they were thrilled to read the first sentence in that little boy's essay. It said this, My greatest treasure is my holy Bible. Is God's word your greatest treasure? Believer, search your heart this morning. Do you treasure God's word above all else? Do you seek to read it and know God's commands? Do you delight to obey God's command? Can you say with the psalmist, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I wonder, do you hide God's word in your heart? Do you see it? God commanded in the first days of this earth, this world, and it was so. Dear believer, God delights in your obedience to his commands. Not only do I want you to see in this first chapter the command of creation, but I also want you to see the contentment of creation, the contentment of creation. We see God speak right throughout this chapter and we we looked at the pattern and we see God said and it was so and then each time, let's take our the light as an example, uh, we see that God saw the light was good. God saw the light was good and and God called the the, the light day and the darkness night and the evening and the morning were the first Day. And God saw the light, verse 4, 
and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. There's a very simple lesson I take out of this. That pattern continues right throughout the chapters. God creates all things. What God says, what he speaks, it happens. For each time God speaks, it is so. And that's the command of creation that we thought of already. And each time that it is so, it is good. That's God's contentment in his creation. You know, God took pleasure in his initial work. God saw the light that was good. It says he saw the light was good. In verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1, when God takes a step back and he looks at all of his creation and all the things that he has made, it says this. It says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. The verb saw literally means to, to size up something, to look at it and to weigh it up. It, it means like looking like, like an on-site inspection, like a builder looking at what he's done. And it means to look at something and to audit it and to examine it and to perceive it like an artist having put the first paint colours onto his canvas, takes a step back and just looks at it and admires it and says, that's good. That's really good. And God now looking at what he has created and he derives great pleasure from the artistry of his handiwork. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. That word good here, it means excellent. It means beautiful. It means stunning. It means pleasing. All of creation was good because God is good. All of creation is a reflection of God himself. Psalm 19 verses 1 and 2 declares it. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. And God was pleased with everything that he was made. He didn't need a second goat. He didn't need to redo it. God didn't need a second chance to get it right. The first time God creates on each of these six days, God does it flawlessly and perfectly. And at the end of each day, we see in verses 10, 12, 18, 21, 25 and 31, you'll see each day God completed his work by saying, it's very good. And we see here that all of God's ways are perfect. His wisdom is perfect. His power is perfect. His judgments are perfect. Everything that God does, he does perfectly. And that's the contentment of God. And God's greatest contentment of what is good is when you and I become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest work that God ever does. And God takes greatest joy. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says it. God rejoices in the salvation of his people. And it reminds me. As we see the, 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 the good God create everything perfectly in his infinite wisdom. It reminds me as God's children that everything he does is for our good. Oh boy, Romans 8.28 stamps that homo that we would live in this promise. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, 
to them that are called according to his purpose. The God who made all things good, the infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, God pledges pledges to make everything beneficial and good to his people. Not just the nice things, but the horrible things. The tribulations and distresses and the different things that come to our lives, he promises he will turn them all for our good. All things means all things. If you live inside this promise found in Romans 8.28, it's a solid rock in your life. Nothing can blow you over when you stand on this rock. Outside of the love of God, all is confusion and anxiety and fear and uncertainty and the sinking sand of the many thousands of substitutes that we try and put in place of God's love. But once you walk through the door of love into the massive, unshakable structure of Romans 8.28, everything changes. In Christ there comes into your life stability and depth and freedom. Now you listen to me. Don't get me wrong today. I know at times our hearts break as believers. I know that. And I know at times we look around and we wonder what God is doing in the midst of the trial. But oh, that we would trust that he's working all things for our good. Only that we would rely on this promise. For he is the one that brings the peace that passeth all understanding in those times. He's the one who can bring peace to the darkest trials. And oh, how we should have confidence that a sovereign God governs all things for good, even the pain in our lives, all the pleasure that we experience, everything comes under his care. No promise in all the world surpasses the height and breadth and weight of this promise. We know all things work together for good for them that love God. This is the God who does all things well. He knows what lies in the week ahead of you. And he cares intimately for you. Oh, that you would rely on him as you step into this week. We've seen the command of God. We've seen the contentment of God. But finally this morning, he wants you to see the consistency of creation. The consistency of creation. Consistency, consistency speaks of stability. And it speaks of order. You notice as we read down, it says many times as God creates each creature and the trees and different breeds, it says according to their kind. This is repeated over and over again, according to their kind. Verse 11, verse 12, verse 21, verse 24, verse 25. And we're told that the plants and animals were created according to their kind. God is a God of order. He's a God of consistency. Ten times that phrase, according to its kind, is used in this chapter. In other words, according to Genesis, when God created a horse, it always stays a horse. 
He didn't create a dog and the dog didn't then evolve into a horse. He didn't create a fish and the fish evolved into a monkey. He didn't create an apple tree and the apple tree evolved into a pear tree. Everything was created according to its kind and everything reproduces after its kind. These four words repeated ten times in this chapter is the rock upon which the whole whole theory of evolution crushes itself. Everything was created after its kind and it reproduces its own kind. But when we think of these categories of creation, we must be careful here when we bring this out. But I bring this out with caution. But there is a symmetry to creation and the universe. There's a mathematical nature to creation that made science possible and laws and so on. And even in this chapter, numbers are hugely significant. You may have no, you may not have noticed in a casual reading of the chapter earlier, but it's quite remarkable. And go home and notice the groups of three that there are, and the groups of seven, and the groups of ten that feature. And we don't want to push this too much, but in Scripture, three seems to symbolize God or something to do with God, probably reflecting the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Seven in the Bible is often a number of perfection, and ten seems to sometimes correspond with completeness. And so we find in this chapter that only three times God creates something out of nothing. That's something only God can do. Three times we read of him making something out of nothing. Three times God calls something by name. Three times he blesses something very interesting. Then we can look at the number seven and we find that on seven occasions we read that God saw that it was good. And of course seven means perfection and God saw that his creation was very good. There are seven days of course in the week. Then we can look at the number 10. Now I'm no Hebrew scholar. However, some have seen 10 commandments of God in the original language. There's order in God's creation. Yet even though our whole existence revolves around certain mathematical and these principles of physics and so on, there's nothing predictable or boring about our world or our universe. God is a God of great variety. Creation, as we read about it, we, 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 don't need, we, we don't need to even just look to this. As we look around us in our world, it's, it's clear to be seen. There's a radiant spectrum of many colors and many different species. It's endless. Something else to note. God, he desires fruitfulness. If you look at verse 20, when we're thinking about these creatures that he has created, look at verse 20, please. says there and God said let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that have life and fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven verse 22 and God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth now verse 20 says that the sea and the sky was already teeming with creatures but God wanted more yet there is room God wants his house his world filled with the created expression of life and then we come to verse 26 and we read there and God said 
Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, he created. And look at verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I want you to see something here. Before we look at man for a moment, I want you to see the order and consistency in which God creates. The sky and the sea were created first. Then they were filled with the fish and the fowl of the air. They were already in existence. God prepared these before the fish were put in the sea existed. That's order. Before the birds were created to fly in the sky, God created the sky. That's order. He put everything in place first. And then he filled it with life. Everything put in place. But you want to think about five days of creation and God creates this whole planet and everything in it. And it all leads up to the creation of man. God put everything in place before he set humans into that creation. I want you to ponder that just for a moment. Imagine this is going to be man's home. Originally one man. And this was given to be our home. And here is the principle. It's a principle of God's grace. This environment was created for man. And I want you to see this. Before he was made. Before he existed. Before he even needed it. It was created. God went before. He was, Man wasn't going to be brought into being in existence. And then have to wait on God getting around to making the world. He wasn't going to have to search for it or to build it for himself. This world was gifted to him to enjoy. And it was made before him and then he was placed in it and he, what he had to do was maintain it. This is profound to me. Expressing the heart and the lavish, manifold, gracious heart of God. It reminds me of what the Lord said. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What will we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. In another place it says, he knows your need before, before you ask it. His grace coming before, proceeding. Do you know how special you are to God? You're a mir- you are a miracle. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. He created it all for you to enjoy. And therefore, there's no need for you to feel worthless. There's no need for you to have a low self-esteem. Oh, hear the message from God today, and it's this. You are special. Oh, yes. 
We'll get to the fullness and sin. We'll talk about that in other weeks. But this is what scripture teaches us first. That we, as created beings in the image of God, mankind with God's breath in us, we'll think of that next week. We're special to God. We're valuable to God. You may have experienced in this world untold rejection in your life. You may have trouble with acceptance with others or even yourself. But David, when he thought of God, he turned and he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Dear brother, dear sister, You're special to God. And his grace goes before you into this week. How do we know we're special to God? Well, when we disobeyed him, born in sin, shaping in iniquity, God didn't just do away with us, but rather sent his only begotten son to die on a cruel cross that we could be brought back to him that we could be a new creation and he has done all this that you and I might sit in this place today as a redeemed people and the one who commanded all things into existence He simply wants us as his people out of our love and gratitude towards him to obey his command. I wonder, do you love his command? He wants us to see that he's working all things for our good. Just in the first days, how he created all things and he saw that it was very good. He wants us as his people to see that he's seeking all things to do for our good and one day we'll stand in glory. And so often we sing, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And dear friends, as we see how God ordered his creation, we see that God in his grace made all the provisions that were necessary before man came along. And how as we came as sinners into this world, God made the great provision of his son that you and I could know life and life eternal.